the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is pre-recorded. This is the Paul George Real Estate Show with your host, Paul George. Sponsored by the Paul George Real Estate Group. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and not necessarily those of Salem Media Group, staff, management, or advertisers. And now, here's your host, Paul George. Welcome to the Paul George Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Paul George. I'm a 30-year, 33-year now, plus real estate agent. And I say the plus because of as of October of 2023, um, I started my 33, 33rd year. So I've been doing this a little while. Um, my job is to help people buy and sell and build homes in the central Ohio area. I represent people who do all of those, and I try to... Uh, uh, with that kind of a track record, I guess to say I'm doing okay with it. So people tend to trust me. Today, I'm going to do some makeup. When I say makeup, meaning that you guys have sent me questions and my clients have asked me questions, and we're just going to go through a lot of those questions. I have uh, my assistant, Gina, here. She's, I say my assistant, but she's also a licensed realtor. She sells her own homes and she has a lot of uh, clients of her own, but she kind of handles a little bit of my marketing as well as takes care of some of these questions that uh, people will give me. And I can give you some answers based on some of my experiences. Um, before I get into that, I want to talk a little bit about um, what's going on within my industry and in our local area. We all know we've been we're tired of hearing about the housing shortage and uh, what's going on in the central Ohio area because of we know what's coming. When I say what's coming is between the Intels, between the Hyundai EV plant, between all the construction workers building all these buildings that you see these cranes up for, we are bringing a lot more people in Columbus than going out. And our challenge in Columbus is where we're going to put them. Um, the nice thing about it is that the city of Columbus is recognizing this and they're trying to be proactive as to what they can do to find more housing here, make it easier. Um, the suburbs are having a little bit of a harder time because of, you know, most suburbs are bedroom communities. Columbus has a little bit more available to them because their zoning restrictions are a little bit different. Um, they can just do a little more things than what uh, some of the other outlying areas are capable of. Uh, one of the things I want to do is talk a little bit about what they are addressing right now because of that. Um, a couple of things that's come up recently is there's a thing within our industry called wholesaling. Wholesaling just means that there are outside entities looking to buy real estate in the Columbus area. And what that is doing is creating more of uh, more people that want to buy and sell, but these aren't really people. These are companies that are looking at it as investments, and they are usually not licensed real estate agents, so they have no fiduciary duties like I do. They do not have to abide by a code of ethics like I do, uh, like most real estate agents do. And what that does is cause the competition become greater and makes it even harder for people to sell a home. Um, they have been trying to buy up whole neighborhoods or trying to build whole neighborhoods. Um, they're just, they could be hedge funds. They could be companies um, that are just looking at it as a, something else to expand their portfolio. Uh, you know, I grew up on the West side. I have a lot of friends who live on the hilltop and they are getting, they get an email, they get mail, they get a text just about every day. Hey, do you want to sell your house? And sometimes they are a little more, uh, nefarious, I guess to say, than uh, an up-and-up uh, business might be, meaning that they prey on people who are needing cash. They'll say, okay, I'll buy your house for X when it's really worth 10X, and some people get stuck into that because of they can do that, and that's we call that wholesaling. The city of Columbus is trying to figure out some regulations to make that not happen. 
because you can see a senior being offered something and they have no idea what the value of their home is. And because they do not have a fiduciary duty like I do, they don't have to tell them what that value is. So they that's happening a lot more than people understand. Um, so that's one of the things that they're doing. Um, you know, and the, the unfortunate thing is, is when they do purchase a home, they have no interest in reselling or redoing that home for a while until the prices go up or something like that. So that's one of the things the city of Columbus is doing. The other is, is that um, they are looking to give incentives to anybody who's building within the city of Columbus. Right now they have tax incentives for certain zones. Um, they are looking to do this for the whole city, meaning that if you wanted to build an apartment complex, uh, there might be some set tax incentives if you want to create a duplex out of your home um, that can offer more housing, uh, there's a way to do that, and they're trying to uh, make that a little more accommodating to people. Um, I mentioned this before, and in 2024, uh, if it hasn't already happened, they're going to roll out a 529-type plan, which is a home savings account for um it's not even first-time homebuyers. You can start a savings account to uh, start building a down payment for a house. And it's a little bit different than a college account in that these are uh, set with uh, designated lenders or banks, basically, that will open up a uh, savings account for you. Instead of offering a market interest rate, the city is actually incentivizing them to uh, offer more than the market rate on your interest. And what that does is, of course, helps you build um, a down payment. And it also allows, you know, uh, parents to contribute to it to certain amounts. And they get benefits. Everybody who contributes gets benefits on the with the Ohio tax code. That is a state thing, and that is coming. And that's one of the things I'm really excited for. And I think lenders are going to get involved in that in even enhance what the state is offering, meaning that um, they're going to offer X interest rate. And if you come to our lender and use our lenders, we'll offer you that much more. So there's a lot to uh, look forward to when it comes to um, more affordable housing that's coming out here and giving more people opportunities to get into homes. We are in a rental nightmare right now, meaning that so many people can't afford houses they are going into rentals, and even rentals are in shortage right now. So anyway, I just wanted to go over those kind of things that the city is doing. Um, whatever you think of them politically, they are understanding what's going on here, and they're trying to do something. And they certainly talk to city council, give them your opinions. Um, they are very accommodating to listening to the public. So if you get that chance, keep an eye on what they're doing as well as give them some input as to how it might affect you. When we come back, I am going to let Gina pepper me with the questions. We'll be right back. Navigating the complexities of the current real estate market can be a daunting task. Fortunately, you have a trusted ally, the Paul George Group of Keller Williams Greater Columbus Realty. From the moment you start your journey, the Paul George Group with over 30 years of experience will be right beside you, guiding you through every step of the process, whether it's finding the perfect home or building, skillfully negotiating on your behalf, working with lenders, managing inspections, or handling title matters, their expertise ensures your best interests are always at heart. Don't hesitate to take the first step towards your real estate goals. Reach out to the Paul George Group for a no-obligation consultation. Call 614-570-2853. That's 614-570-2853. Or email paul at paulgeorgerealestate.com. When it comes to making informed decisions in the real estate world, trust the Paul George Group to lead the way. Submit your questions for the show to paul at paulgeorgerealestate.com. That's paul at paulgeorgerealestate.com. Now back to your host, Paul George. Welcome back to the Paul George Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Paul George. I am here with Gina Cribb. She is my assistant. And 
Uh, in a minute, she is going to start asking me some of the questions that uh, people have been asking us lately, as well as um, my buyers and sellers, some of the questions that come up with them. A lot of these questions I don't know yet, so if I sound like I'm getting a little long-winded or short-winded <laughs> or I don't know these things, um, uh, let me uh, give me give me a little bit of slack when it comes to that. Um, before I introduce Gina again and let her start with me, I just wanted to remind you that um, – I, you know, one of the other things I do other than selling houses and helping buyers find houses and helping people build houses is that um, I do this radio show as well as I write a blog about once a month, uh, maybe a little bit more often. If you want to subscribe to that, just shoot me an email at paul at paulgeorgerealestate.com, um, as well as if you have any questions, of course, let me know. But you know, that is as up-to-date as anything. There's always something that's going on that kind of uh, tickles my fancy and is kind of what's up-to-date right now is what's going on right now. And it is almost always local, meaning that I don't look at these national trends because what's going on in Columbus right now is not a mirror of what's going on in the rest of the country. We are in a nice little real estate bubble right here. Um, I tend to interject a lot of my own personal stuff within these and how it affects other people and how they've affected me uh, during a real estate transaction. So I just wanted to mention that, um, you know, get on my email list. There's a lot of good information that I put out there. Um, Gina. Yeah. Say hi. Hello there. Hi there. Why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us who you are again. Uh, people haven't listened before. You kind of sit in the background and don't say much, but now's your I chance. I try to stay as quiet as possible. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so I'm Gina Cribb. I'm a licensed realtor. Um, I work with the Paul George Group. I've been a realtor since ooh, 2000. I don't even remember. Jeez 2015. <laughs> 2015. 2015. It's been a long time. Eight years. Um, and I also do some marketing work for the Paul George Group as well. One of the things about Gina is that um, she is in a stage in her career that is kind of mirrors mine a little bit in that when I started out, I, um, I, it was just me. And then I got married and uh, was able to focus a little bit on real estate. But then I had kids and I slowed down <laughs> a lot um, because that's another full-time job as well. Um, Gina's got three kids and none of them drive yet. So <laughs> no, they you not. are Mr. Mom, Mr. <laughs> Take them everywhere, yeah. get them to do everything. Yeah. So They're, uh, I'm living their best lives yeah, that's, for sure. You are. I am. And that's one of the nice <laughs> things about our industry is you can kind of go back and forth when it comes to that. It gives us that flexibility. So just wanted to mention that and appreciate you having me here. So why don't you just start with some of the questions right. and I'll see what I can come up with. <laughs> I'll help you out, too. Um, Yeah, we got a lot of good questions today. Um, The first one is from somebody who says they're thinking about doing a large renovation in their home, including a kitchen, floors, all the stuff. Um, They like bright colors and want to do colorful cabinets and tile, but they're being told that they should do neutral for resale value. What do you think? This is going to be the thing for every question that you're going to ask me. <laughs> it uh, depends, right? It depends. It depends. That's what it comes up with. <laughs> and that's one of the things you guys hire me for is to say, okay, it depends on what. And things that it depend on is price range. It depends on competition. It depends on neighborhoods. It depends on a lot of things. Um, I like to look at builders. I like to look at Pinterest. I like to look at what's trending right now. You, the old school real estate said that, and I base this on one of the things I do a lot is work with relocation companies and relocation companies will hire me to, because they have a client uh, who is moving across the country and they say, we need a real estate agent locally to help these people do it. Here's the parameters we want you to use. We want you to paint all the walls white. We want you to keep everything as neutral as possible. And the reason for that is, their mindset is we don't want to offend anybody. Um, my mindset is, is I know what this local market is like. I know that if you paint the cabinets blue, that's okay because that is what people are accepting these days. Um, I know that, um, you know, a lot of a younger generation might like bright white cabinets and 
if you've got a empty nester home, I might tell them something different than I would that first time home buyer home. Um, so again, it depends on something like that. The trends right now are colorful. Um, and again, this is very general. Um, you know, my last couple listings have been one of them was, uh, somebody who's been living in their house for 60 years and they have wallpaper everywhere. They have pink shag carpet in there. They have no appetite to do anything. Um, and that's just a function of price because there's people that th- I've got somebody that's looking at it that is, I want my own clean slate. I want to do whatever I want to do. And that's how I kind of tell people my thoughts as to what kind of buyer would look at this. And that's where it comes down to. Mm -hmm. Um, The nice thing about that is if you want to do this major renovation, one of the new cottage industries is that there's renovation companies that will come in. In fact, I'm going to have one on uh, in one of the coming uh, programs what they do is they come in and they will renovate your kitchen. They'll renovate your baths. They'll do as much as you want. The nice thing about these companies is they don't charge you until the house sells. Um, that's a very broad way of saying that, but there's companies that do that, and there's all kinds of parameters, uh, and there's different levels of them. Someone will put liens on your house until it sells. Someone will say, if you give us a deposit, that's great, but you don't have to. Um, there's an extensive list of companies that will do things like that. Mm -hmm. There's also companies that, um, there's also companies that, um, definitely have to, uh, get something up front. And usually that's the smaller guys, the handymen, the people like that. So again, it depends. Uh, Yeah. I usually tell people, you know, if you're not moving in the next five years, you should probably just do what you want. If you're, exactly. if you're going to sell in a year, then you want to definitely go neutral. But if you're planning on staying, don't renovate for trends. Renovate for whatever you want your house to look like. Inside. Yeah, that answer that I gave was pretty much, okay, I need to sell my house now. <laughs> yeah. But like you said, if yeah. it's something that you're going to enjoy, yeah, definitely go the extra mile. The nice thing about our our area here is that these houses will keep appreciating. It is a good investment. Yeah. Um, but talk to us before you overinvest, I guess. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Um, our next question. Uh, I'm looking to get pre-approved for a loan. Can I just go online and find a lender? How do I choose someone reputable? Mm, it's hard for me to tell people not to do something. And one of the things I tell my buyers is don't go and use an Internet lender. Um they have their purpose and there's different generations that are more comfortable with that than not. If I have a younger buyer that we come in, they probably have already gone on the pre-approval process online. If you get caught into looking for homes, there's always, okay, you need to fill in the blank here before I give you more information. When you fill in the blank, that company sells that information to a lender. The lender will call you and dog you for the rest of your life. Yes. Um, We understand that, and that's part of the system. The problem with a lot of the Internet lenders is that they are national. Uh, A lot of times they don't know the local customs. When in Columbus, Ohio, there are certain costs that are borne by the sellers. There are certain costs that are borne by the buyers. The tax situations is different. We pay taxes in arrears in Columbus, Ohio, Um, whereas other states sometimes don't do it that way. And that just goes into when they quote you closing costs and things. Um, they tend to not be realistic when it comes paired, compared to our local market. The other thing they can do without uh, any consequences is they can quote you a low rate. Hey, my internet lender said it's going to be 1% below what my local lender says. Mm-hmm. And there's always a catch to something like that. Um, the other challenge I have is that a lot of my buyers will come in and say, you know, my parents used this bank when they were coming in. And my thing is, is I always recommend, I've got six different lenders I recommend. I said, call them and hire them and interview them like you would me. I have a 30 question questionnaire that I say, here's what you need to do um, before you hire any lender. And once you go in and get pre-approved with one, um, that is, Unfortunately, that is a, it goes on your credit. 
other lenders have situations where they can look up that how many inquiries have you had in your credit. Mm -hmm. They know that you're looking for a loan, so you're going to get bombarded then too. Mm -hmm. One of the things I like to do is say, here's a guy that I've used for your situation. If it's a first-time homebuyer, they may have more programs available than this person that's got 20, 30, 40% down has golden credit because that's just about price. And those are things that I can kind of keep them up to date with because out of those six lenders, one of them may be good in this situation, one of them may not be. The other situation is it changes. Lenders are not always the best one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I have a bunch of different ones. So I have recommendations, but it's always on you. But my recommendation is to go with a referral that's local here. Yeah, and always a person that you can actually get on the phone. Half yeah. the time if you're doing like an online lender, like you can't talk to them on the phone or you're interacting through email and it's there are points in the transaction where you need to be able to talk one-on-one and you're going to pull your hair out when you're dealing with something that you can't reach. And that's, you know, just to tag on to that, there are, like I said, a lot of first-time homebuyers are comfortable with sending things over the Internet, sending things with secure email. There's other people, like I said, I've been working with, you know, parents of people. They don't want to be working on the Internet. They want, okay, I'll get my hard copies of the last three bank statements. Not all lenders work that way. And if you go on an internet lender, hardly any of them work that way. So just be aware of that. Yeah. Okay. Our next question. What is the biggest red flag that you see in a home inspection? And have you ever advised a client not to buy because of something they found during the inspection? Anything can be fixed. Um, A lot of it has to do with what the expectation level is. When you go into contract on a home, the first thing before you go into contract or even after you look at the house, the seller has to provide a residential property disclosure. Disclosure means just that. You need to disclose any kind of issues that you may have had with the house. And that be may be the start of, okay, what do I need to look out for? The seller says that three years ago they had a flooded basement because the sump pump went bad. Um, you can start looking for signs of things that, you know, maybe they've covered up or weren't fixed or things like that. Um, it has to do with the expectation of a buyer. Um, you know, I've got a lot of buyers who will say, hey, if I get this cheap enough, I'll take care of anything. If I do find something, is the seller willing to compensate us for it? And a lot of times I see situations where if seller wants to compensate you for it or fix it, um, a lot of times I say, take the compensation. Uh, I don't want the seller overseeing something that they're not going to be living in. Um, there is rarely anything that um, I – the only time, honestly, that I've had told somebody not to buy a house was they have severe allergies. Their kids had severe allergies. We go into the house. It looks great. We do the home inspection. The, the attic is filled with mold. Um and, you know, the seller says, we'll fix it. We'll take care of it. And I could just tell by the sellers, excuse me, the buyers that they didn't want to take the chance with their kids. And I said, well, we better move on because of that. You know, even though somebody fixes it, anytime the kid gets a, a, a runny nose or something like that, you're going to wonder, did they fix it right? Yeah. So other than that, there's always ways to fix things, whether it's a basement that's bowing in, whether it's a roof that needs replaced. Anything can be fixed. It's just a matter of can you live with the fix or the compensation of it. So kind of piggybacking off that question, there's another question that goes into disclosures. Before I bought my house, there was a small kitchen fire. Will it affect the price of my house when I go to sell it today, and do I have to disclose it? Disclose, disclose, disclose. Um, The property disclosure itself, I think, goes back five years. Seven. Uh, Seven years. Very good. That's why you're here there. So if it was during that seven years, of course, you want to do that. Um, The other things, too, is that a lot of times buyers, when they purchase a home, they have to get homeowner's insurance. The homeowner's insurance is going to say, hey, there was a claim on that property. Mm -hmm. So you might as well disclose it now. Now, will that uh, hurt the price of the house? And, again, it goes back to the old it depends because a lot of times people will overdo the fix and not just fix it. But it also gives you a heads up as to, I smell something, I can't figure out what it is, and maybe it was from that fire thing, and mm-hmm. you've got to determine whether, I just rented a house, they had a fire, and I could smell that from 
day is long and I just told everybody up front, hey, this house had a fire. Mm-hmm. It looked like a model home when you went in, but you could smell it. So yeah. always disclose. Yeah, definitely always disclose. Okay. Um, I don't know that we have enough time for another question at this point. Give me a quick one. You can okay. Quick one. Um, my neighbors say that I don't need to do anything to prep my house in this market because things sell so quickly. Do I actually need to paint well, and fix it up? When we come back, we'll talk <laughs> about that a little bit, but here's the answer. It depends. It depends. It depends. Yes, it does. It does. We are in a market where you don't necessarily have to do as much as maybe you did 10 years ago, but you still have to do something. Everybody still has something to do. Well, everything is sold by pictures right now. When I say pictures, that gets people inside the house. Mm-hmm. Um, when we come back, ask me about uh, one of the companies now who are putting things on their websites, have little AI um, bots with them that mm-hmm. you can change the color of the paint mm-hmm. within that. So okay. it's kind of a neat thing, and I don't know where it's going to go from that. But, uh, again, it's kind of creating that expectation for the buyer. All right. But Ask me that question when we come back, and when we do, um, we'll talk about that as well as uh, some other questions about building as well, too. We'll be right back. Visit the Paul George Real Estate Group at paulgeorgerealestate.com. That's paulgeorgerealestate.com. Now back to your host, Paul George. Welcome back to the Paul George Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Paul George. I am here with Gina Cribb, my assistant today. We're making up a lot of the questions that uh, have been sent that we haven't got a chance to respond to. So we are going through with that. Um, just to remind you, um, we are, after the show, we have all of our shows as podcasts now. Subscribe to the Paul George Real, Paul George Real Estate Show. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You can either do that on, um, you know, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google Play, all those things. You can also go to the 98.9 FM, the answer website, look up, uh, hosts and you can find the Paul George show and all the, uh, episodes are on there. So if you have something that has to do with real estate, we have a lot of topics, uh, that we've gotten through. We've got a good library show so far. So I think there's a lot of good information in there. Before we went to the break, Gina was asking me a question about, what was it? Um, What if you need to actually prep your house? The lady's neighbor told her that you don't have to do anything, just slap it on the market. (laughs) Again, it depends. Um, When I say it depends, it depends on probably the number one thing is what price you're expecting out of this. And if you you want to sell it below market, there's not a whole lot you got to do. Um, if that was the situation, I would usually introduce uh, language in my multiple listing that says as is or something. Mm-hmm. But pictures don't lie. Uh, when I say that, there's you put throw pictures on the MLS, and if you see you know pink bedrooms and or red shag carpet and things, people are going to understand that okay, this better be below the market. Mm-hmm. But if you want to maximize your value, uh, the paint is probably the cheapest thing that you can do. Whether you do it yourself or you hire, a bad paint job is sometimes better than no paint job if it's that bad. But my suggestion is to ask us and what your expectation is. Mm-hmm. You know, you can start with paint and you can go all the way up to kitchen renovation. So there's a lot you can do, but that's what we're here for is to tell you what makes the most sense. All right. Well, all the right. next question I think could have been written by my mom. I swear I had this conversation with her the other day. Um, it says, my HOA keeps raising my annual dues. I feel like they aren't doing a good job at maintaining the neighborhood, and I don't want to pay the increase. What options do I have? None. Um, <laughs> That's exactly it, what I said to her. It, it, it's just like voting, <laughs> and I was in this situation myself. Um, I ran for office. I became, I moved up to be president of the association, and uh, as much as I wanted to change it, I got more slings and arrows from everybody else because when I did it, it was during COVID. And during COVID, everybody was home, so they noticed all the little nitpicky <laughs> things that people didn't realize that were in their deed restrictions. But um, 
you know, if you get enough people to talk about what's going on, there's ways to change things, but every association is different. They are bound by their bylaws and uh, covenants and restrictions, but they can be changed if you get a big enough majority. But if you, you can't just sit back and not mm-hmm. only complain and not do anything about it. So that's my yeah. no good answer, I guess, to say. Yeah, go to the meetings. Go, go the ask meetings. the questions, get involved, run for a spot on the board. I don't know that my mom should do that, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, you can't complain and then not get involved. You gotta you gotta do the work. All right, are we ready for our next question? Sure. All right, this is a really good one. How accurate are the estimates of my home's value on Zillow and Realtor.com? Again, it depends. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of those are by these real secret algorithms that they put together. One of the things about Zillow, though, is and Realtor.com is our multiple listing system is the database for all the resales in the Columbus area, and most of the MLSs are that way. Um, most of the Internet people do not have access to those, so they have to go by county records, and a lot of times the county records are not necessarily arm's-length transactions. There's a lot that goes into it. Um, the challenge is, is that Zillow aggregates all this data, and they have no idea what's going on on your street. Um, they kind of look at an overall census tract. They kind of look at a zip code. They kind of look at, you know, the city itself. And they say, okay, based on these trends, here's what we're going to do. You know, the other thing is that um, they don't know the extent of the upgrades that you've done. You know, when I see a multiple listing and I see that, you know, in our multiple listing, we have two different square footages. One is the tax record, and usually that's the main floor and the upstairs. And then if they have a finished lower level, whether it's got an egress window or a way out, realtors for marketing purposes will use that square footage as part of their pricing that they're going to do. Zillow doesn't know how to discern between those two. They just take the big one and say that's all the square footage. The other part of that is that, you know, sometimes um, um, my brother <laughs> – finished the basement. He threw down carpet, (laughs) threw up a little bit of drywall, put a drop ceiling in and called that a finished basement. Whereas another one says, I'm going to have Bob Webb come out and finish my basement at $100 a square foot. And you would think that's going to be worth a little bit more than uh, another one that's got the same square footage, same finished living area, but the finishes are definitely different. Same thing with like a kitchen renovation and things. Um, you know, they don't have the ability to look in and see what was permitted or not. Uh, so it's that's why you got to get a local expert when it comes to something like that. So in answer to your question, no, uh, it's not as accurate as what it needs to be. Sometimes it's right, but more often when I go to list a house, people will know that number. And sometimes it's like, okay, we'll sell it at that, but you're leaving money on the table. <laughs> yeah. And other people all say they don't know what they're talking about. So yeah, it depends. I would say they're usually pretty off, but, and they don't take into account, like, you know, if your house backs up to a busy road or if you're under power lines or any of those things that we could see and take a look at and say, well, this might actually hurt your value a little bit, whereas this, or this might enhance your value a little bit. And markets change too. You know, we just went through a frenzy here in our city and, you know, they don't take into account that, you know, we have a huge shortage of homes here. Mm -hmm. And when you get 10 different offers on something, um, I just closed on a house that went for 40000 more than asking. The buyers didn't care. You know, they said, we didn't have anything else that actually had this three-quarters of an acre with the mature trees. There's no thing in their algorithm for something like that. All right. Uh, next question. So I'm looking to buy my first house, and I'm not sure how it works. When do I have to pay the real estate agent? How much money should I have set aside for this? We had a show previously about kind of going through this, and I think you and I talked about we're going to do a Home Buyers 101 show mm-hmm. uh, to kind of start from scratch. First thing you do is talk to somebody who's bought a home. Um, I think that's the best way is if somebody has gone through it, um, don't try to garner all the information from the Internet or something like that. But it, you, if you're looking to buy a home, especially if it's your first time, you know somebody, mm-hmm. and ask them what their experience was like. Um, the usual situation is 
what's going on now as compared to a zillion years ago when I started is people start on the Internet. They start thinking about it. And I'll just warn you, once you start thinking about it, you go down that path, you're going to buy a house. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. um, whether it's now or whether it's six months from now or whether it's two years from now, but you usually start with the internet and then you think you might want to look at a house and the situation might be that, Hey, I saw that house. I want to go see it. So you click on the thing and it gives you, here's 10,000 agents, uh, who will show you that house. Mm-hmm. You really shouldn't do that until you know somebody. <laughs> um, the number one thing I always suggest is talk to a lender or at least get an idea of what you want to spend. Right. That will save you a ton of time. The normal sequence of things is get on the Internet, talk to a lender, then talk to a real estate agent. The real estate agent will be your guide as to how do we go about this. Sometimes I can see up front that, okay, it's going to take you six months. Um I just talked to somebody who's a daughter of somebody I sold a house to. And my first counsel with her, she had to establish credit. She doesn't have any credit yet. Mm-hmm. So I said, this is what you're probably going to do, but here, talk to a lender. He's used to working with first-time home buyers. That's kind of the best way to do it. Right. As of right now, <clears throat> the way I work is that a home buyer does not usually have to compensate their agent. Now, again, that is changing. More often than not, a seller will offer some compensation. I work that way. Other agents don't necessarily, and I don't want to speak for them. They may charge you up front. Uh, they may charge you a retainer. They may charge you something. They don't have to. All that's negotiable. But in more often than not circumstances as of right now, um, who's ever selling a property will offer some sort of compensation. So a buyer shouldn't have to worry too much about paying a buyer's agent. So, Okay. Um, our next question is actually from a seller or somebody looking to sell. Uh, what's the general timeline of how long it takes from when I list my house to when I close to when I need to be out of my house? Um, just the overall timeline. And I guess if they're, they're asking from when the house lists, so not – you know, when you talk to a realtor and start the process, but from listing to close. It depends. There's Um, a general number on that, though. There's a general number, but if you, you know, I have a situation right now where somebody's building a house, and if they tell everybody up front that we don't want to be out of our house until a certain date, it's always negotiable. Now, what you're doing, though, is you're cutting your potential buyers out, too. Somebody says, I need to be in by a certain amount. But If you go through a normal transaction, and I say normal, traditional (laughs) transaction, um, somebody says, Paul, I want to list my house on Friday. A normal marketing time, uh, again, normal. Typical. Typical marketing time five years ago was 100 days. Five, a year ago, it was 12 days. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It could be a weekend. So, When you list a house, when you go into contract, that's one thing. Once you go into contract to get to a closing, that's another thing. Mm -hmm. You get to a closing to the time that you have to give up possession, that's another thing. All that is negotiated up front. You as the seller can control that as much as you can. What you're trying to do is make it equitable for everybody. If a buyer's desperate, they usually let the seller make the rules. If the seller is desperate, the buyer usually makes the rules. A lot of times the price makes the rules. I can't tell you how many sellers saying that, you know, if I list my house for a thousand, they're willing to pay me a hundred and fifty, I'll be out tomorrow. Um, more often than not, it's a situation where there's a compromise. As a general rule, the lenders kind of dictate a lot of things. Lenders take about twenty to thirty days on a good day to get a loan processed. Meaning that if a lender gets a contract from one of their buyers who they've already pre-approved and says that now we have to do our due diligence, this lender's due diligence is, you know, doing a uh, uh, an appraisal. That's probably the biggest thing that takes the longest amount of time. They have to verify all the credit. There's a lot of things that they have to do, and that takes 20 to 30 days. More often, I tell people that right now it's about 30 days. When we were going through COVID, it was about 45 days. But 30 days to get the loan. Once you do that, you can establish a closing date up to 30 days out. Columbus is one of the rare areas where 
it's not uncommon for sellers to keep possession after the date of closing. The date of closing is when the title transfers and the sellers get their money. So it's an all negotiated up front. There's a lot of, I won't say complications, um, that if you, you know, seller's mindset is, is I'm not leaving my house till I have my money. And the buyer's mindset is I don't want you in my house because I've already paid you for the house. Mm-hmm. So there's got to be some compromise, and usually that happens ahead of time. There's a lot of things that need to go into that. You can, I think lenders allow up to now 60 days for a seller to stay in a home after they own it. Now there's all kinds of insurance things. There's rental agreements or some sort of a mini rental agreement that needs to go into that. All that needs to be negotiated up front. So you can kind of compensate that. But if you get a situation where you're buying a, a vacant home, somebody's already moved out, it can be 30 days. Yeah. So there's your long winded answer to a short question. <laughs> so. I would think, I don't know, I don't know if there's any stats on this, but I think it's probably averages between 30 to 45 days. Very much so. That's yeah. what a lender would tell you. That's what somebody from outside of the industry would tell you. Yeah. And again, 30 of that's for the lender. The rest of it's for the inspections or anything. You know, yeah. it, it's almost beneficial sometimes for a buyer to close at the end of a month just because mm-hmm. of the way the interest prorations work and things mm-hmm. like that. So if you put into something on the 15th, you may not close for 45 days because you want to close at the end of a month. Right. And that's acceptable. Yeah. I think that's a pretty reasonable time frame. All right. Our next question. Is it wise to have my home inspected before I list it for sale? One of our previous shows, we had this question because we had a home inspector on, and I've changed over time, meaning that um, I used to say no because once you have a home inspection, you have to disclose what you find in there. And what I do is I amend the property disclosure to add the inspection to it. Along with the inspection, I add, here's what I've done in that the inspection found out. Sometimes it's nothing, but all you do is disclose that. With a situation where you might get multiple offers on the house, I strongly encourage it. Uh, it's a cost to you, and inspections can cost, uh, I'd say, average $500, depending on the size of the house. You're saving that buyer $500 if they don't want to do their own but that does not preclude them from not doing their own inspection. But, yeah, I'm a big fan of home inspections, and if you're thinking about selling, we'll have that conversation. We'll go through the um, good and the bad of that, and it depends on what you're willing to do. If you're not willing to do anything, then I say don't do it and let the buyer find it. But if you were willing to say, you know, I think I've taken pretty good care of this, I'm going to give a buyer peace of mind of knowing that the house has been pre-inspected. So when we come back, we'll have a few more questions and finish out, and maybe I'll have a tip of the week. Be right back. Navigating the complexities of the current real estate market can be a daunting task. Fortunately, you have a trusted ally, the Paul George Group of Keller Williams Greater Columbus Realty. From the moment you start your journey, the Paul George Group with over 30 years of experience will be right beside you, guiding you through every step of the process, whether it's finding the perfect home or building, skillfully negotiating on your behalf, working with lenders, managing inspections, or handling title matters, their expertise in ensures your best interests are always at heart. Don't hesitate to take the first step towards your real estate goals. Reach out to the Paul George Group for a no-obligation consultation. Call 614-570-2853. That's 614-570-2853. Or email paul at paulgeorgerealestate.com. When it comes to making informed decisions in the real estate world, trust the Paul George Group to lead the way. Submit your questions for the show to Paul at PaulGeorgeRealEstate.com. That's Paul at PaulGeorgeRealEstate.com. Now back to your host, Paul George. Welcome back to the Paul George Real Estate Show. And like uh, the guy just said, submit your questions because that's what we're doing right now is we're going over some of those questions as well as some questions that my current buyers and sellers are asking. So before we get into a few more questions from Gina, hi, Gina. Hi. Um, I want to give you a quick, quick, quick tip of the week because this just came up on a home inspection. Um, 
you don't think about it because it's out of sight, out of mind. But when you get a chance, walk outside where your dryer vents out and make sure that the air is going out. First of all, clean any crud you got there. You want to keep that cleaned out. But if uh, you run your dryer, make sure there's some airflow that comes out of there because we know how dangerous that can be. There's companies that clean that out, but you can pretty you can do it yourself if you know what you're doing. Get on YouTube. It's pretty simple. Depends on how long your run is. I've seen some run all the way across the basement, so you want to have somebody else clean it out. But uh, if it goes from you know your washer through a wall, excuse me, your dryer through a wall and outside, it's it's a very easy clean. But uh, when the inspector found it on this other one, it was when you saw the picture, it was scary. Uh, it could have been a very good bad fire hazard i guess to say so with that hello gina hello more got any, questions got any more questions for me all right our next question uh with interest rates rising and home prices climbing so fast are we looking at another crash of the housing market like in 2005 my 99% sure prediction is no um the only crash we can have is because of affordability the prices are going up. The interest rates are going up. Um, when I say going up, they stabilized. If anything, they're coming down a little bit. A lot depends on, you know, interest rates are probably the biggest factor of what has people buy and sell. As of right now, um, we are at a tipping point between if you look at the average income of people and the average price of a home, it's too expensive to buy a home right now at this interest rate. And that's about the 8% interest rate. Like I said, they're trending down, but the tipping point's going to come when they get down below 7 or so. There's going to be more people that are going to be able to afford to pay a mortgage payment as compared to a rental payment. Um, the problem is, is that even if they can afford the mortgage payment, we still don't have enough homes here. Um, I've been going over statistics forever. We need about 14, 15 some estimates say we need 18,000 units uh, in Columbus in our area because of the intels, because of the, you know, the different industries that are coming in here. We are on an average of about 12,000 right now. We're trying to address that through uh, the building process. You know, the building permits themselves are very uh, – they're very hard to get, I guess, to say. They take too long. There's too many – bureaucratic layers of that going. They're trying to address that with more people to do building permits. They're also trying to change some of the zoning. Um, City of Columbus has been very proactive in that. But um, uh, I don't think there's going to be, um, for lack of better words, we're getting into a point of haves and have-nots. There's going to be people stuck in the rental cycle uh, forever just because of this. And we're a victim of our own success, I guess to say, and unfortunately it's going to affect uh, people who need it most. We're working on it, but I don't think there's going to be a crash. The crash was due to lender factors before. Now we have different factors that come into play, and it's not supply and demand, or it's not demand, it's just supply. So, yeah. next question. I don't, see a, I don't see a crash coming either, but, you know, we never know. That's our predictions. Um, next question. Should I sell my current property before I buy a new home or can I coordinate the timeline to fit my needs best? That's a, a, a tough one because there's so many variables that go in it. One is, can you afford to do both if the worst case happened? I'd like to get my house on the market for sale because I can control when I can close, how much possession I need. I may leave some buyers in the dust. It's always good to at least know where you stand when you purchase, want to purchase a home, want to sell a home. One of the things I would do is I'd give you an opinion of how long it would take to sell. And that would be based on, you know, how much you expect to get out of your house, how much work needs to be done. But you start with that. Don't get all excited and say, I'm going to go find a house. Oh, I found a house. I want to buy it because that seller is not in this market. Um, they're not going to let you uh, buy it contingent upon the sale of your home. I don't care if they know that the house is going to go that quickly. I'd never suggest, again, in this market, um, that we take a home sale contingency. It used to be pretty common that that happened when it took 30 days, 60 days, 90 days to sell a home. The seller would say, that's how long my house has been on the market for six months. I'll take anything right now. 
you're kind of tying the house up when it comes to that. But there's, you know, escape clauses and things like that around that. But my suggestion always is to start with your home first. And if you can afford to buy two and worst case happens, can you handle that? We have to do that a lot with new construction right now. People need the equity out of their house to buy a new house, but the new house isn't going to be done for seven, eight, nine months. So we have to tackle that, and those are conversations we need to have, and it comes down to a individual basis. All right. Um, we have time for one more question. Um, this is a, hopefully an easy one. What are the additional costs that I need to be aware of beyond the purchase price of a home during the transaction? On the purchase price, as a buyer, is that what you're asking? Yeah. More often than not, it's your down payment that's going to be the biggest thing. And then the lender's going to have their closing costs. The lender's closing costs, they have to be up front and they have to give you a estimate ahead of time. One of the things they don't know is they have to estimate there's title costs. Um, there's All of this is going to be done ahead of time. You're going to be starting with uh, escrow accounts as well. The only thing that you really can lose if you go into contract on the house in case something falls apart is your inspection. Mm -hmm. If you do an inspection and decide that, um, hey, the clause lets me walk away from this, you're going to lose that $500. If you have a good agent representing you, you shouldn't lose any other money ahead of time. But if I had to guess, if you were putting 5% down, you know, I've seen closing costs go from $2,000 to $10,000. And the more the closing costs are, the higher they are. More often than not, it's because of you're buying down your interest rate or uh, something like that. Something that, you know, you have credit that needs some other help to get your rate down to where you can do it. So there's no good answer for that, but your lender will be able to tell you that way before you get into contract on something. Appreciate you being here, Gina, and we'll talk next time. This has been the Paul George Real Estate Show with your host, Paul George. Sponsored by the Paul George Real Estate Group. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and not necessarily those of Salem Media Group, staff, management, or advertisers. Tune in next week for an all-new episode of the Paul George Real Estate Show. And follow Paul online at paulgeorgerealestate.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.